What's up? What's up? What's up? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. As always, I am your host, Justin Michael. It's Saturday, May 8th. I just finished watching Friday Night Lights. Uh, We've got some recruitment stuff to talk about. CSU picked up a nice addition on the transfer market. I'm actually finishing up an article about that right now that DNVR members will have access to. Clipped a couple of videos to highlight his athleticism. I'm really intrigued. Um, And then at the end, I'm just going to kind of talk about fighting. Obviously, we've had... This this really doesn't have much to do with CSU, um, and and this is why I'm going to save it for the end, but I'm just going to kind of talk about that Capitals-Rangers situation and fighting in its place in sports. Obviously, hockey is is kind of a different context than every other sport, but I just kind of want to dive into it because I think I might have an opinion that seems to differ from a lot of Twitter, and that's that fighting is not necessarily always wrong, assuming that it doesn't cross the line. All right, before I get into that, sure, you're probably hearing how great mortgage rates are right now, but Mike and Virginia Chevalier, they are not your typical mortgage company. Yeah, they've got phenomenal rates, but what really makes them different is that Mike is a certified financial planner. He looks at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. They're a small, family-owned company, so you're always going to feel like a person, not a number. Proud DNVR members, proud CSU supporters as well. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, though, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Whether you're looking at refinancing your current mortgage, buying a new home, they're going to make the process as simple and as smooth as possible. Again, visit dnvrmortgage.com where you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. Or give Mike a call directly at 970-412-2472. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, 1910631. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's just jump right into it. Um, we're going to keep today's episode a little bit shorter. We've had some longer podcasts lately, some great guests. I have some exciting guests coming up in the next week or two. Looking forward to all of that. Going to dive into um, 2022 NFL draft stuff. Going to talk about, you know, CSU basketball expectations moving forward. Really, really looking forward to, you know, some of the, the pods I've got upcoming here. But like I said today, we're going to talk a little bit about recruiting and the additions that see and the addition, I should say, that CSU has made at the wide receiver room. And that is Jordan Kress II announced his commitment to CSU. For those that are not familiar with Jordan Kress, He's a Colorado kid, so you gotta love it. Played at Mountain View High School alongside Logan Stewart. When he was at Mountain View, he lettered in football and earned all area honors from the Loveland Reporter Herald. Also placed in the state finals in the 100 meter and 200 meters uh, for track as a senior. Kind of shows the uh, the type of athleticism that he possesses. And again, I'm I'm really intrigued by the addition of Jordan Kress now. You know, typically you try to add receivers with, you know, a couple of years of eligibility. This time a little bit different of a situation. It makes sense, um, just given the lack of depth in CSU's wide receiver room. Now, you know, I know it's become all about wide receiver U over the last, shoot, I guess we're approaching on a decade here now that uh, some of those 2012, 2013, 2014 seasons feel so far removed, man. But, you know, it's just, it's not as deep of a room as it has been in years past, especially just with proven guys. Now, 
I'm I'm really intrigued by a couple of guys that I think could be in for breakout years, depending on what this passing offense looks like. Like, you know what you have in Dante Wright. Like, Dante Wright is a superstar. He could put up numbers on any team in the country. You could put him in the SEC. You could put him in the ACC. You could put him in the Big 12, the Pac-12. I don't care. Dante Wright is talented enough to make plays all over. We know this. Outside of him, obviously, you've got Trey McBride. It was pretty much those two, and those two only, when it came to the passing offense next year, and that's that's just detrimental to your offense as a whole. You need to get more of these guys in the mix, and obviously you hope that EJ Scott pans out, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. You hope Ty McCullough stands out. We haven't seen it yet, but he also hasn't really gotten an opportunity from a target standpoint. Thomas Penunzio, you know, you're, you're hoping that he pans out. Obviously, they converted him from defensive back to wide receiver, ultimately was able to, you know, get um, a scholarship and, and a guy that's just been willing to do whatever he, he needs to. Wouldn't surprise me if they flirted with moving him back to defensive back, just given, I mean, they've had so many people transfer out of that corner room. But again, the, the main point of all this is you just don't have that many proven guys, especially on the outside, you know, outside of Dante Wright, and then obviously the tight end room, which is phenomenal. Jordan Crest, this is a guy that's, you know, he's already proven he can put up really substantial numbers in the Mountain West. Just kind of briefly, um, started at Butte Junior College there. He had 44 receptions for 863 yards and five touchdowns as a sophomore. Signed with New Mexico as a two-star prospect at a JUCO in 2018. Became an immediate contributor in 2019. Made all 12 starts. Led them in every major receiving category, receptions, yards, touchdowns. I mean, that that UNM passing offense in 2019 left a lot to be desired. But Crest was their most consistent producer at 45 yards a game. Kind of ironic, the only game he didn't score in was actually, or didn't get a catch in, was against CSU. He did have a tackle, though, off of an interception. Uh, 2020, you know, you, you have Danny Gonzalez come in, new regime, new coaching staff. Obviously, things are wonky. They changed quarterbacks a couple of times. Everything that happened with COVID. His numbers dipped a little bit. He also missed two games. But he still finished, you know, third on the team with 12 catches for 224 yards in four games. I mean, that's not bad. Paced the squad in yards per reception at 18.67 yards per catch. And that's, I think, what most intrigues me about him. It's, it's you know, not necessarily that he has all a bunch of, like, crazy, you know, highlight grabs or anything like that. Most of his his catches are, you know, that I've seen at least are, are pretty average, at least on film. Or I, I don't want to say average because I'm not trying to be dismissive or critical here. I just mean like, you know, you don't watch him and, and you're not seeing like Michael Gallup contorted in the air type grabs. But you see a guy who runs Chris Browts, he has solid hands, and he has an understanding of what he needs to do on the field, how to get open, how to use space. That was one of the things I wrote about, and I don't want to go over it too much because again, uh, go check out that p- piece I published on the website. But he's a guy that just demonstrates like a really, really solid understanding of what he needs to do at that time. He understands his assignment. And that Hawaii game in 2020, he had two touchdowns in the first quarter. And on the first one, he sells block. As soon as the quarterback starts to roll out, kind of slides down the sideline, and he's wide open for a touchdown, man. Just... It's really savvy. It's really savvy. It's subtle. But that ability to just release up the sideline at the exact perfect time, then outrun the defensive backs for the touchdown, like, 
not everyone can do that. I mean, we see people mess it up all the time. Later in the quarter, he really sells the DB on an inside hash and then drifts back out into the space, just completely outruns his man for a wide open touchdown. Like, that's what this team needs. They need to be able to stretch the field vertically a lot more than they did last year. And the coaches know it. I mean, they talked about it a ton in spring ball. You know, offensively, the things they probably talked about the most were wanting to be more explosive downfield, create more big plays, and they want to be better on second and medium, third and medium type deals. And having a guy like Jordan Kress, a guy, you know, who's averaging just under 19 yards a catch last year, that's the kind of guy you need. You know, that's that's the type of player that he is. And so for just so many different reasons, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's obviously a feel-good story. He gets to come home and, and reunite with his high school teammate, Logan Stewart. Um, Eddie Hers of the Loveland Reporter Herald actually is uh, doing a, a feature on him. So definitely check that out. I just think it's it's one of those rare instances where a, a transfer, at least on paper, is kind of a perfect move. And obviously, Adazio and company, they, they had a lot of success with transfers that they added last season. You know, it hasn't been... A situation where they've they've been picking up picking them up in in massive quantities, but the guys that they have brought in have been able to contribute immediately, and I think that's always your hope when you're bringing in these kind of guys that don't have four years of eligibility remaining that are you know veterans. You're hoping that you can find guys that are seamlessly going to slide right into whatever you are doing as an offense. And I think for Cress, it's it's a good opportunity because his specialty is exactly what CSU was lacking. He gets to come home, gets to reunite with his high school teammate, gets to, you know, get the the heck out of UNM. Um, and, and I don't know if, like, he hated UNM or anything like that. That was mostly just a joke. I love Albuquerque. Not taking any shots. Um, best Mexican food I've ever had in my entire life. Hands down. I love the ABQ. But I think it's cool that he's going to come back home. And uh, I'm si- excited that he has that opportunity. I think it's just a... A neat story, you know, a, a hometown kid getting to come back and, you know, rep the university that was in his backyard. All right, let's um, let's move on. And let's talk about this 2022 recruiting cycle. Obviously, because of the pandemic, things have been extremely wonky. I mean, Adazio, he complained about it at length in spring ball, and it's understandable. It's just it's so hard to evaluate these guys without being able to get them on campus and have them participate in camps, start to form those relationships. But beyond that, I mean, some of these guys, like they had their seasons significantly disrupted. You're offering people based on freshman film. Like it's just insane. And it's going to result in, I think, a lot of programs, not just CSU. This is a thing, uh, something that's going to impact college football as a whole. I have a feeling we're going to see some misses, like some guys that, you know, a couple years down the line, they're going to be like, how did they end up at, you know, Alabama or Arkansas or whatever? It's just going to be the product of a really, really weird couple of recruiting cycles. Um, but beyond that, Malachi Medlock, a six foot one, two hundred and fifteen pound running back out of Duncanville High School, announced his commitment to CSU. Um, actually, has played for a couple of really big powerhouse programs, Duncanville, which has pr- produced a couple of different CSU guys in the past. Um, before that, though, he was actually at Permian High School in Odessa, Texas, which is obviously the infamous, you know, program associated with um, with Friday Night Lights. Funny enough, I just happened to watch that movie this weekend. And this is this is completely a side tangent here. So just 
bear with me for a second and, and um, indulge me on this. I think Friday Night Lights might be the best sports movie of all time. And I know that's a really hard one because there's so many different qualifications and factors to consider. It's not that it's just a phenomenal sports movie, which it is. It's just a phenomenal film in general. I mean, it it so accurately depicts the hopelessness that comes through so evidently in the book. Now, if you've never read the book, please go. It's, it's my favorite book of all time. It's incredible. I mean, I want a Pulitzer, and it absolutely should have an amazing book. And, and if, if you've only watched the movie, you've only watched the TV show, you might get into reading and being like, man, there's, there's way more stuff in here that has absolutely nothing to do with football. But that's what matters so much. It's that greater context. It's that West Texas post-oil boom living in a small town amongst people who also grew up in that small town and can't get out. And they all just kind of live vicariously through this high school football program. Like, you know, when they're at the the restaurant scene and, and Mike Winchell's talking to them and they're like, get you one of these with the state ring. Because after that, it ain't nothing but memories and babies. Memories and babies. And God, that is so sad. I mean, to think about it, like in, in that regard, like if, if that truly is the greatest time of your life and it never gets any better than that and you just have to live through the the glory of, of what happened 30 years ago. But I just love the movie so much. The TV show, it's great. It's entertaining. They got way into like a bunch of, you know, family stuff that had absolutely nothing to do with the original storyline. I get it. You know, you're making it more, you know, palpable or um, palatable. I almost said palpable. You're making it more palatable for a mainstream audience. And it's, you know, like an NBC type, you know, sitcom or not sitcom network show. I get it. It's different. I get why they did all that. I, I like the show, but the movie is just so much better because it, it just does such a better job of capturing the, the book, in my opinion. And, and that's what makes it good. Beyond that, man, the music kicks ass. Like, I love that Todd Phillips just isn't scared to play metal. Like the metal scene that they play in that state championship gets me so freaking hype. The cast is incredible. I mean, Billy Bob Thornton. He nails that role. He nails it. I'm a big Billy Bob fan anyways, but that's my favorite role of his. Tim McGraw as the hopeless dad. You know, if we want to talk about really portraying that spirit that high school was as good as it ever gets. And then after that, you know, it's basically just coasting on that and, you know, drinking your way through the days. He killed that role, too. Way better than he was in The Blind Side. Way better. Anyways. I'll stop rambling about how much I love the movie Friday Night Lights. Get back on track. Uh, Malachi Medlock committed to CSU. A couple of things I like about him. Now, obviously, you know, the stats stand out. Significant running for about seven yards of carry as a sophomore and in, in some of the biggest programs against some of the biggest programs in the country. That's, you know, that's significant. That stands out. I like that he plays for winning programs. I just, I like adding guys that come from winning programs because it, it shows that they they're ready to make that commitment. Like obviously those type of programs, they have talented players, but it, it's just like, it's setting the precedent, you know, it's the type of work ethic you need to succeed. And obviously, you know, Texas fo high school football, it's, it's no joke. Um, but you know, they've, they've been able to get a couple of different guys. They got James Mitchell from out of 2020 from Duncanville, Tyler Quinn in 2021, so CSU, you know, really using that like Dallas area pipeline 
And it's, uh, it's encouraging. I mean, when you're a program like CSU, you have to recruit Colorado really well, obviously. But other than that, you know, it's, it's Texas and California. And, you know, obviously with the, with the current staff, they're going to take advantage of some of the East Coast connections that they have, which, you know, traditionally CSU is not pulling people out of Massachusetts, you know, New York, Philly, even. That's changed a little bit. But as a whole, I mean, the, the meat of your roster is going to come from Texas, Colorado and California doing well, doing well uh, in that area. That's, that's really all you can say. I mean, they can't do in-person recruiting until June. And so I think that's like really when we're going to see things pick up. And, and that's really when we'll be able to kind of evaluate what this 2022 cycle is going to look like. You know, when I think back to 2021, there was a lot of hope right off the bat. Um, just because they added so many different guys. And again, it, it's really clear that Adazio and Bobo have different recruiting philosophies. Bobo, you know, he was a little bit more willing to to wait around on some guys that were probably flirting with Power 5 programs, but he was hoping they would drop down. If you land some of those guys and it works out, that's great. Um, Adazio, he's more of, you know, looking for the guys that fit what he's looking for, not necessarily the sexiest prospects, but people that are committed to him and what he believes in. You know, it's it's teach their own. Like, I get wanting somebody who's just fully committed right off the bat. The Adazio technique, I also get just trying to hope you can, you know, swing some of these Power 5 guys. But in the end, you know, I think, and, and we saw this with Bobo, those guys that, you know, have P5 offers, even if it's smaller schools, they, they don't always stick around. So it's, it's, it's a tough situation. I know there's no one perfect way to do it. But all I know is you do have to recruit the state of Texas well. If you are going to consistently compete, we're off to a good start. All right, we will get back to the pod in just a second. But first, a quick word from our partners, starting with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Guys, the hits literally keep on coming from one boxing event to the next. The grow in excitement and anticipation This weekend is no different with two of the sport's most respected fighters stepping into the ring on Saturday night. There's no better place to get in on all of that action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users a shot at turning $1 into $55. To celebrate this weekend's huge event, DraftKings is giving you 55 to 1 odds on either main fighter. That's what it means. All you gotta do, bet $1 on either fighter. If they win, you cash $55. It's that simple. Plus, we've got basketball and hockey playoffs right around the corner. DraftKings Sportsbook has even more ways for you to make it rain. My Nikola Jokic for MVP bet is hopefully going to cash here in a couple of weeks. Hell yes. Great time to get on there. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, meaning you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right, 55 to 1 odds for all new users when you sign up with DraftKings Sportsbook. Just make sure you use that code DNVR at sign up. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions to apply, see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also want to shout out Solace Meds, our newest partner. We've partnered with a premier dispensary for you guys to get some smoking hot deals with. Solace Meds has six locations, four in Colorado, two in Oklahoma. 
They have one location in Fort Collins, which is perfect for all you CSU fans. Got another in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one just blocks away on East Colfax from the DNVR bar. So whether you're in NoCo, the metro area, you know, North Jeffco, or Oklahoma randomly, you know, there are great options for you. Solace has some banging deals this month. Here's a, you know, a few to look forward to. Cinco de Mayo, buy three, get one free on the entire store, plus an additional 20% off when using DNVR20 at checkout. For Mother's Day, you can buy three, get one free of the entire store. For Memorial Day, it's the same deal. They got 20% off of all Glacier Concentrates, 20% off of Mile High Extractions, that's 1,000 milligram cartridges, 20% off CBD gummies, two for 25 off Koala and Solace 100 milligram bars, 15% off three grams of Connoisseur Concentrates. If you don't, you know, use these products, that probably sounds like a lot of jibber-jabber, but the point is they have got a ton of variety, whether you're using herb itself, concentrates, edibles, all of those fun stuff, CBD, they have got it all. Remember, all of these amazing deals you can take advantage of and get the additional 20% off your entire purchase when you use the code DNVR20. Check out Solace Meds makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. You can head to their website, view their menu, order online, and pick up at your convenience. Just head to solasemeds.com. Purchase from there. Make sure you use that code DNVR20 to save 20% off your order. Guys, that's that can be pretty big. You know, when we're talking about triple-digit purchases, 20% off your order is hella clutch. Shout out to Solace Meds. All right, it is time to give my DraftKings pick of the week before we wrap it up. And since we are going to be talking about fighting and hockey, I think figured my DraftKings pick of the week should only be hockey and so i'm going to go with the nhl championship winner now i'm gonna be honest guys this is this is coming straight out of my heart but they are the betting favorites so it doesn't feel like i'm selling you you know up creek or you know giving you guys bad advice here but the colorado avalanche to win the stanley cup at plus 450 i mean i love it like sprinkle a little bit throw a little bit of money on hope that your hometown pulls it out I think, you know, based on what the Avs have been able to do, how they've been able to ride out these injuries, I don't see any reason why they couldn't win the Cup, man. Like, obviously, injuries, all of that stuff, that's drastically going to impact how the NHL playoffs end up playing out. But they got through it. They got Groovy back. They're, they're so fast defensively. They've got so much offense. I just don't see how they don't pull it out. So that's my DraftKings pick of the week. The Colorado Avalanche to win the Stanley Cup at plus 450. Lock it in. All right. Um, like I said, I'm just very briefly going to talk about this. I know you guys don't listen to this podcast to hear me talk about hockey, but I think that it, it presents an opportunity to discuss, you know, something unique as a whole, which is just fighting. And is there ever a place for it in sports? And people's opinions are always going to defer. And I, I look uh, most basic level. And 99.9% of situations in life, fighting is, you know, wrong. It's it's not the right move. It's it's not going to work out for you. Even if you win, you're probably just going to get in trouble with the law. And it's just not worth it. There's so many crazy pants out there. Like, you know, you're, if you think you're talking trash and then all of a sudden, you know, who knows? You're dealing with somebody with a with a gun or something. Like, people are nuts out there. I'm not one of those guys that's just like, yeah, fight, you know, somebody somebody looks at you wrong, punch him in the face, you know, you have a 
altercation at the stadium, fight him. Hell no. There is never a dumber time to get in a fight than when you are a fan in attendance at a sporting event. One, you're on camera. Two, you're going to get banned. Three, you might get your ass kicked in front of a whole lot of people. Having said all of that, though, I do think there are times in contact sports where fighting can ultimately diffuse a situation and, you know, just kind of, like, let everybody get it out of their system and move on. And maybe that's immature. Like, maybe we should just expect these athletes to be able to handle the heat of the moment a little bit better. And, and to an extent, I do, you know, understand that logic. But I also think that's just being ignorant to the type of competitive drive that these guys have. I mean, th these aren't regular Joe Schmoes. These aren't everyday people. You have to have a different type of switch to make it in these sports, especially football and hockey. And, and I really think this is true in, in basketball, baseball. If you you reach the highest level at anything, you know, you're, you're built different. I think it's so corny that everyone says that on, on social media now, but it's true. You know, you, you are built different if you play linebacker in the NFL. Like, you have that weird personality trait that just allows you to run through other people without hesitating. Like, that goes against all laws of nature. But you can do it because you have that switch. You can flip it. With hockey, it's it's slightly different. But the, the truth is, like, without fighting, I genuinely think you would just see so many more people just blown up in the open ice. And, and maybe not so much in, in 2021 because they're trying to eliminate some of that stuff, you know, trying to make it safer with everything that we know about concussions. And with everything we know about concussions, that, that doesn't make pro fighting an easy sell. It's essentially, you know, adding brain trauma that is not necessary. You know, it's it's out of the context of the, the sport itself, or it's it's not a part of the, the actual action that impacts the outcome of the game. But again, even with everything we know, if, if you didn't have the fear of getting your butt kicked on the open ice, I think we would see people go after the Connor McDavid's of the world, the Nathan McKinnon's of the world, the people that are just so much more freakishly athletic. You know, let's let's even this out a little. We slow them down, you know, we'll give ourselves a better chance, but they don't because there's that level of respect. Now, I will say this Washington, New York situation, a little bit different, but if I'm the Rangers... Man, I'm coming out and I'm fighting. After seeing what Tom Wilson did to my teammate, I'm coming out and I'm fighting. And if I'm on that team, I would hope that my teammates have my back because I have theirs. And I know that's like that logic is is it's so it's flawed for so many reasons. But the truth is, the sports just aren't normal. They're not everyday life. People they they share it, and you see somebody like like Keith Olbermann, who I'm actually a big fan of, but somebody who I'm just trying to think of somebody who has very openly been against fighting in hockey. And and obviously, you know, the, this Washington-New York scene, I think it went above an extra. It got a little ugly, but, you know, he'll share any fight and just be like, oh, look at this behavior. This is, you know, they're acting like thugs or this is assault or whatever. And yeah, if you were in the middle of the street just fighting some dude, that is assault. 
but it's not. It's it's a controlled setting. So I guess I just I think there's a line. Like maybe that's maybe that's too subjective, but it kind of reminds me of like the definition of pornography in a sense that what is the line that's too far? It's tough to define, but you know when you see it. A forward gets blown up in the open ice. His teammate comes to his defense. Those guys scrap. They both go to the penalty box. Everybody moves on with their day. That's a normal hockey altercation. What Todd Bertuzzi did? Pushing somebody, driving their head into the ice, breaking his neck. That's too far. Would I have been able to lay out those parameters going in? No, but when you saw it happen, you, you could immediately tell, all right, we've crossed a line here. So again, like maybe it would just be easier to eliminate it outright, safer, all of that stuff. I have a lot of, I have a lot of, I'm skeptical just because I think hockey is a dangerous sport. And I think that level of respect is important in policing itself. It's the only sport that truly does police itself. You see it a little bit in football, you know, a, guys going after other guys to protect teammates, but it's just not the same. And it really can't be like a, a hockey fight is a lot different. Two guys punching each other with their bare fists. Yeah. You can really do a lot of damage to somebody, but football fights just get scary because you've got so many more people, so many more people. So it's just pure chaos helmets and stuff. Like when people start flinging helmets, that's a whole other ordeal. That's, that's not a scrap. That's not, you know, within the, the spirit of the sport. That's just like a full-on melee, a brawl. Like, that's that's terrifying. And somebody, that's, that can't happen. And again, I this, you know, Rangers capital situation, kind of a brawl, but it's five on five. It's the guy guys that are on the ice. We've seen this happen many a times before. It's just different. The culture is just different in hockey, and that's really the only way I know how to explain it. Maybe that's that feels a little bit like a cop-out. Like, you just don't get it because you don't watch hockey. But if you don't, you don't. And and you maybe you do love hockey and you still hate fighting. Again, I, I respect everyone's opinion. Like, I, I wanted to talk about why this is such a tricky thing because I do get it. Like, between brain trauma, most of the time fighting is wrong. It's not necessarily like setting a great example for, you know, youth players, all that stuff. I think all of those are fair criticisms. But I also think that with so many players over the years coming out and, and explaining why fighting is is a necessary evil, I just think that they know best and I'm and I'm more you know willing to accept their opinion than overlook some of this, this other stuff. I don't know. That's where I'm at with fighting. I just kind of wanted to go over it. I mean, some of this I was almost, you know, like talking through it. Like I think my opinion might have even changed slightly as I went through this this subject, but I don't know. Let me know if maybe I, if you think I'm an idiot, let me know if you think I'm spot on. Let me know. Let's talk about fighting. I think it's fun. All right. That's uh, that's all we have for this weekend. I'll have that Jordan Crest piece up. I'll have more content over the next week. We're going to start talking about recruiting and football a lot. Uh, we're still breaking down last season from basketball perspective, and then we'll flip on to the future after that. We'll do some fun offseason stuff. I'm in the process of... Um, I'm trying to move, actually. I'm going to be moving down to the Denver metro area. Don't worry, I'll still be covering CSU. Just uh, planning on moving in with my significant other, so I'm, I'm very excited for that. And uh, also, if you're in northern Colorado, DNVR gear, now in Shields. Go check it out. Super, super dope. I mean, it's it's so crazy to think from 
just a couple of years ago being like in a small office on Jewel and Wadsworth to having the DNVR bar and studios and live shows and our shirts are in sports fan and shields and all kinds of places. It's just it's a little surreal. It's a little surreal. Thank you to everybody that continues to support my content. You guys make my dreams come true. I will be back with more content in the next couple of days. Peace. Beaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water, together make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be.